Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Big props to my man Raja, who filled in Wednesday, rode solo, drove the show. He did a fantastic job. I have a proposition too for Debo, the producer. I'm going to say we need to just, like, hosting duties, let's just roll them. We'll flip-flop every other day. That worked for me, but I don't know if Raja would do that. He was sweating it pretty good, but he's off on vacation. So, we have my man, Thomas Rongenen. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. By the way, I have a triple head fake from downtown Amsterdam fading away as well. Like, <laughs> Not- I don't know if you remember James Wordy. When I first came to this country, I saw yeah. the Lakers, James yep. Wordy. Out of here, you can't block that stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Anyway, All right, so you're and- a multi-sport athlete. <laughs> <laughs> if it hits the rim, I wouldn't take the three points. I'm right, you. right. All right. That's I don't know if I'm good. multi-sports. I've watched multi-sports, but right. I play multi-sports. All right, so you do. So you could fill in for Raja, not Absolutely. only on the podcast, but if there's ever a pickup basketball you game, got you it. fill in for there as well. So Thomas yeah. is also, he's our CBS Sports HQ soccer analyst. You have a rich history in, in that sport. You played in uh, Amsterdam growing up. And you, I, you, we were talking a little bit before the show, and we, you know, we reunited when we met here at CBS Sports. I was a super fan of yours because you were one of my favorite players on the Fort Lauderdale Strikers when I was growing up. Now, do you remember me at all as a little rugrat running around in the locker room, like kind of hiding in the corner? I, I do now because <laughs> I remember your dad, who's, who is the tallest man I've ever seen, by the way, He's walking in with the smallest person I've ever seen, which was you, obviously. <laughs> That's right. Just hanging out. It was checking, funny. You were checking knees already at that time, you know? <laughs> it was funny because my dad, as you're talking, he was 6'8", so he's a big guy. Yep. Most players would call him Big Doc. Like, I don't know, they, they say we did. easy nickname. We did. And so I kind of had the nickname of Lil Doc, like, growing up. So, like, I have a I have an autographed uh, picture of Bucky Dent. Uh, it was the New York Yankee, yep. and he says, Too Little Doc. Like, it's awesome. it was kind of grew uh, – that was my nickname growing up. Uh, but seriously, like, I watched a lot of Strikers games, and then my wife was telling me, because I told her you were filling in today – that she knew you as a coach because she grew up in Plantation and she was a real competitive soccer player, played at St. Thomas, and she said you were helping around and you were always around yeah. the sport, which is fantastic. So you got a lot of ties to the South Florida area, yeah, which is pretty I cool. certainly did. When the NESL unfortunately folded, the great NESL with the Pele's of the world, the Jan Cruyff's of the world, Gert Mueller, four-time yep. World Cup champ as well with, with Germany, Beckenbauer, I decided to stay. I was fairly young. I opened a soccer store. <laughs> I became a coach at Plantation High, and I became a director of coaching of what's called the Plantation Eagles Soccer Club. One yep. of the first, really, directors of coaches in this country. Uh, that concept wasn't there, so that's probably where your wife and I, if she was a big soccer yeah. nut like I was, <laughs> yep. I was directing that program in Plantation. So I got great roots uh, in this community. Awesome. So you're from the Netherlands, yep. and you... So talk to me about... The World Cup, because I think in America there is a, a an interest in the World Cup, but it's not the passion that you see worldwide. And I would say the best way, and Raja and I were talking about this, the best way to watch the World Cup in the U.S. is to find a bar or a you know sports bar somewhere where there is a country like home base, because those fans you will see a passion that you don't see in the U.S. for soccer might be equivalent to a football game. Like, they are that crazy in there. So in the Netherlands, like, how big of a deal is soccer nationally? Like, does it shut down, like, during the World Cup? It it shuts down. Everything is orange. We're very proud of our team. Unfortunately, we didn't make it to the World Cup. The U.S. didn't. I have no idea who to root for, quite frankly. I'm going with Mexico. There are southern uh, borders. But, yes, it, it's part of, just like you grow up, Danny, it's like, it's baseball, it, it, it's football. Those are your heroes. My heroes were Pele, Johan Cruyff, Gerd Mueller, George Best, guys that played in his league, played for the strikers as well. And the first present you get is a round ball, and that's about it. Uh, we have some basketball in the Netherlands. We're pretty good at field hockey. Uh, we had a Wimbledon winner once. We were good in the Tour de France. We had a three-time uh, Tour de France winner. In Joop Sutemelk, that is very Dutch. But yes, Danny, that's that's part of our culture. That's our sport, not just there, but anywhere outside of the United States. But I was also a part, and you were probably in college when the 94 World Cup yep. rolled around. Yep. And I was part of the bid process, and I became part of as a coach in the first year because one of the reasons why FIFA gave us the World Cup was saying you got to build a professional league. 
which is the MLS that started in 1996, two years after the World Cup. And look where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. 24 teams, healthy. What that World Cup has done for the sport is absolutely incredible. And what this World Cup in 2026, we won the bid finally. We lost, obviously, the... 2022 uh, bid against Qatar, mm -hmm. uh, which we all know the FIFA scandals erupted after that. Right. So this will be a new way for the next eight years to to continue to grow this sport, which is still not part of your fiber, uh, but has found a niche in this is this country. Seattle Sounders, forty five thousand every weekend at home is pretty remarkable. Television rights are being higher now as well. Games are being watched. And now younger players are now being developed abroad. Christian Pulisic, mm. you know, playing in, in Germany, probably our breakout star going forward uh, for these World Cup teams. So, yes, the passion in the Netherlands will never rival the passion here. But I think, as you said, <laughs> we'll find a bar somewhere because you guys embrace big events. That's Let's right. go. And we embrace drinking and gambling. All <laughs> there you go, go, baby. The World Cup now, so it's coming a long way. Why do you think the U.S., because we have a, a population of 300 million people. We have a lot of athletes to choose from that are playing soccer. We're seeing more and more. Why isn't the U.S. more competitive on the national stage? That's a great, great question. Our, our system isn't, isn't built properly because of the amount of kids that are playing in their formative years, Danny, between seven and 12. Parents are coaches. Mm -hmm. There's still not a lot of money to be made for youth coaches in this, this country. So in an important, as I said again, developmental stage for players, they don't get the key ingredients technically, tactically, not necessarily physically. Mentally, which become part of the game later, you know it better than, than, than I do, uh, where we miss out. We don't have great technical players. We're athletic mm -hmm. as Americans. We're tough. We're mentally strong, but we can't compete yet with the Brazils and Argentina. Now, th the next eight years, with the infusion, hopefully, of more money, with the MLS team taking a real, real strong leadership role in developing players, academies, that's been happening with some teams, not with all, uh, like in the rest of the world, where it's not pay to play. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to put a kid through college and get a scholarship, which most parents or all parents want, right. uh, it's a lot of money. Travel teams, you've been there with other sports as well. Uh, so the main focus still is college, whereas in the rest of the country, in the favelas in Brazil, for instance, the only dream this kid has is to get out of the favela to become a professional soccer player. Education is not important. So I'm not saying we should get away from education, but we need our better coaches to be on the youth levels and pay them appropriately. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation in the U.S. about paying college athletes to play football and basketball. And I think we could learn a lot from Europe, the way their youth sports work, where they join academies. And they basically can get compensated from a year, very young age and they start kind of going into that system and training and developing their players to get better. So you mentioned the fact that we're getting into 2026. It's also going from uh, from 32 teams to 48 teams. Ching, ching. How, that's ching, all about them. So that's, so that's the same thing. <laughs> college football, we saw Vegas. a tournament. So that's just about more money. Is it good for the sport to have more teams qualify? It's not just about the money, but, but the estimation is $14 billion will be made in 2026. Wow. One third goes straight to Zurich, to FIFA. <laughs> They're just going to sit back and say, thank you very much. But what it will do, and not just for the, for, for the United States, because Canada and Mexico are part of this bit as well, United 26, which I think is awesome. We will have 60-plus games in this country, Danny, over a month, basically. Right. Mexico will have 10, Canada will have 10. We have the quarters, the semis, and the finals as well. And actually, the Hard Rock, we live in South Florida, yeah. is going to be an important stadium, I think, where we can watch some of these games. And with David Beckham probably starting in two years as well, it should be an awesome opportunity, not just for South Florida, but for, for this, this country. It's going to help youth development. It's going to help MLS. It's going to help the American player. There's a kid somewhere at 14 right now that's dreaming about being part of a World Cup team in his country in 2026. And that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome awesome quite frankly and it will again allow the united states to become a major player in this world cup reason being is we tied france you know a week ago in a world cup 
uh, or, or a World Cup friendly for France, obviously, won one. The mm-hmm. average age of that team was 22 years and three months. Reason being is that team will hopefully qualify for the Olympics, which we haven't done in the last two times, which is a not a good thing because it's part of development for those players there as well. They're all pros right now. Most of them are in, in, in Europe, some in MLS. That team will be in their prime. You know, they between 28, 32. That's when players really mature and, and, and can play. I will think we could put a team on the field that can actually compete to win the World Cup. And I mean that sincerely. Awesome. Uh, so I, I have the World Cup for me is on a bucket list of things to do. I've been to a Super Bowl, been to a World Series, been to a college football championship game, been to the Final Four. World Cup, so I have no excuse now. 2026, I am there. And I think it'll change people's minds once they see some of that energy and excitement and passion coming to our country again like they did in 94. I heard you've got a box in the heart, Rook. Oh, yeah, yeah. you heard that? I don't yeah. know. Wait, come on. What did my club live? Right, right, right in the corner with the uh, the, uh, the red velvet ropes out right. in front? Maybe. We'll have to see it. Come on, let's book it now. The finals will be the heart rock. You're going to watch a game, a final. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna. this is our World Cup episode right here. This is our blowout right. soccer special. Let's do it. We're going to break down all the matchups in a little bit, yeah. but I want to get some more stories out of you, all right? So we're going right. to do our superlatives. We do it with every guest. First, your best Prince story. And I have my our producer, Debos, came to me and said, hey, he's got a great Prince story. I'm like, how the heck do you know Prince? Like, So how did that come about? Unbelievable. So we're it's it's 1982 or 81. Joe Robbie walks in the locker room and goes, the whole franchise is being moved to Minneapolis. We're going, What? <laughs> And I'm very close to Tim Robbie, at that right. time still the president of the, of the strikers as well. Elizabeth was there, his wife. They were very entrenched in, in, in soccer and obviously with the Miami Dolphins, uh, the only two sports at that time here. And we all went, what? Went to Minneapolis, never been there. Uh, Lake Hennepin, that's where I found a little place. And two years down, there's all these TV trucks. Literally the first day when I'm moving, what's going on? So somebody goes, well, that's the Ta- uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. I got Mary Tyler Morshaw, never heard of. Right. <laughs> Somehow I connected. I gave her some tickets. You know, I was intrigued by it. I started watching the show. And she knocked on my door one day, probably about six months in, and she goes, you want to see a local artist at this place called First Avenue, which I've been to a few times, which is, which is really like a, 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 a cool place. Yeah. Holds about 300 people. Uh, there's some groups and bands. I'm into music. And it's Prince. And Prince had made maybe one his first hit that really didn't hit yet. Right. And it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And he wore a jacket that I went like, wow, it had some gold in it. So I go to Mary Tyler. A little bit flippantly, I go, can I get this jacket? So we go backstage to this shy young man, and he hands her my jacket. And I wore a jacket a few weeks ago on, uh-huh. on the show. And... Then he becomes this icon, yeah. a brilliant musician, obviously, you know, too brilliant for his own mind, and unfortunately, tragedy right. dies. But here I am from Amsterdam, a little bit of a crazy guy. If you come from downtown Amsterdam, you're a little nuts. And and I mean, this 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 Minneapolis, you know, mostly white Swedish people, clean city. And here I am in First Avenue watching Prince at that time, not knowing who Prince was, liking his jacket, and I'm looking back now, I'm going. Wow, I got a jacket from Prince. Uh, I mean, you still have it? I, I I do have it. I would have it like out in a, a mannequin like in, my, in the living room for everybody to see. I'm it. afraid to like, wear it sometimes. Oh, right. no, I, I really am. Really, I would too. I would want to put it like somewhere where it's safe and it's never going to get anything spilled on it. You, but you might have Don Manningly is one of your yeah. Your, he was one of my right. favorites. Yeah, you were my heroes. If, if if Don Manningly gives you a jersey, you uh-huh. would not wear it. Am I correct? No, it would be on a wall. Oh, absolutely, on a wall. I, I I popped it out twice. Once here, once somewhere else, and that's it. It, right, so you could, could have popped it on for the podcast. I, I, I could have. I, I didn't know you were going to ask that question. <laughs> All right, we'll I thought we were going to talk about basketball. We'll, we'll, have to do Roger it, Bell. we'll have to do it the next time. Don Mattingly gave me a signed baseball bat. And How so I have that in my home office out there. It's that? pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. All right, uh, next up. Did you have – what was more enjoyable for you, coaching Plantation Juniors or American Samoa? They both were were were, were, what, were what was it like beautiful. when you got in – so when you, you coached American Samoa – and that was to try to get them to the World Cup? That was the, the national yes. team? Yes. I, I got fired by U.S. Soccer after going to three under-20 World Cups. Uh, the under-20 World Cup is played every two years. So I my first one is the in the UAE, which is very interesting as well, because that was when Desert Storm took place, and it moved the World Cup three months later. And we're in these barracks, or, or barracks. It, it was the five-star hotel slash military base 
in the UAE mm-hmm. with bowling alleys, with three movie theaters, with camels, with uh, whatever. Uh, 207, we had a great run. Actually, talk about Luis Suarez and Cavani. We played, we beat Brazil with Josie Altador, Freddie Adu, Michael Bradley, uh, against some great players. Uh, we beat Uruguay in the semis as well, 3-2. We're seeing Suarez and Cavani play today for, for Uruguay in the real World Cup. Interesting story. My two center backs, one was that team in 203, just to give you an idea, all college players. Now, our under 20 team is all professionals. Really? So I had a Stanford kid as a center back and a kid from Clemson. And before the game, I said, you guys want to see some footage of uh, Suar- Louis Suarez and Cavani? That one was sold to Ajax and one was just sold to Napoli, I think. And they went, who are these guys? So I went like, okay. <laughs> Coach, don't worry about it. We got it. Right. Louis Suarez and Cavani, the combined uh, value right now is $1.2 billion. My two guys from college play one year in MLS, one is an executive in New York, and the right. other one. Just to give you an idea, you know. Right. Pretty, uh, awesome. So I get fired after that, after that uh, run in 2009 when we didn't qualify in Guatemala. Uh, I had about six years, six months left of my contract. And Sunu Galati, who was instrumental for MLS, the 94 World Cup, ran MLS uh, for a long time, was the president from U.S. Soccer. Uh, he asked me, you want to maybe coach American Samoa? And I said, well, give me a day. I- I'd heard of American Samoa, but I didn't know at that time we have Guam, American Samoa, uh, Puerto Rico. Those are our enclaves of, of the United States, belong to the United States. Right. And they need some help, some technical help. So I looked at the map and went, whoa, I've been everywhere. It's next to Tahiti. Okay. I said to my wife, you want to go? Yeah. And we went, not knowing what I would get into. The only thing I knew was I looked at the FIFA rankings. And at that time, there was 202 countries of FIFA. They were the worst country. <laughs> no. The last country. So I'm on the plane looking at that going, what am Uh-oh. I getting myself into? <laughs> right. Secondly, they had the distinction of having lost 31 nothing against Australia in a World Cup qualifier, which still stands as a record. Right. And here I am walking in. And I remember my first meeting. I walk in. These are these guys. I mean, we're, we're talking about The Rock is from America, Samoa. Yeah. Uh, Salab- Salab- a lot of football players. Great NFL. Yeah. Great athletes. Mm-hmm. Long rock They're like this. So I, I asked everybody to put their name and their best position. And there's a female walking up. And I say to my wife, flippantly, she must be the massage therapist. And she puts center back. So I, uh, I look around. And to make a long story short, she's the first third gender player. Fafa Fina, to ever played in a World Cup qualifying game. Really? And she's went through a, a transition right. right now and is a, is a real woman. Awesome. And that was a first. She's one of the highest-ranked female executives in FIFA right now. She goes around the world talking about, you know, uh, things that are right or wrong in this sport. So to make a long story short, these guys were happy losing 10, 12, 14, nothing. Right. So I looked at this team and said, listen, technically I can make them a little bit better. Tactically, I can make them a lot better. Mentally, I need to make sure that they can overcome some of their fears. And I take some bold steps by bringing back the goalkeeper that gave up 31 goals against Australia and made him part of the squad again. And, and if there's one thing that stands out after the first game against Tonga that we won 2-1, first win in two decades, first goal. They scored in two decades as well. And he came up to me and says, you know what? My kid can look at me right now and say, Daddy, I'm proud. Because the only thing he remembers and he gets reminded of is that I've lost 31 to nothing. And, I, I mean, right. that in itself was, was, was great. There's, there's a lot of other incredible stories that, that come with that. And made a documentary about this. Next Goal Wins. Yes. Called. Where can people watch that? They can watch it Anywhere. We awesome. were the best documentary in the Tribeca Film Festival. Really? And The really? Rock actually nice. was there. And there's a story that maybe this will turn into a, a real movie. So thank you, awesome. Danny. Too. Very cool. Next Goal Wins. Yeah. It was on Netflix, Amazon, all awesome. that kind of stuff. All right. I'm going to check it out. Watch it with my you, kids. You, you shoot. All right. Let's roll through these last ones. Uh, rapid fire style. All right. Best team for U.S. fans to root for? Mexico. I heard you mention them before. You sticking with that? Yeah. I'm sticking with that. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with CONCACAF. The part of CONCACAF. Come on, CONCACAF. All right. Let's all right. put us on the map. All right. Best beverage to consume while watching the World Cup? Vodka. Vodka, huh? Da, 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 <laughs> da, go. which is by the way, yes in Russia. <laughs> yes, oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about the Russian right. tie. All right, how about the uh, the best hair in the World Cup? Who the best hair in the World Cup is uh, Paul 
Pogba, who should spend oh, yeah. more time, by the way, playing the game than worrying about his hair. But right. that's, the French team probably has the best hair yeah. throughout. There's a lot of competition throughout soccer. Yes, there's, there there's is. It's really impressive hair. Neymar loves his hair as well. Yeah. Neymar loves to come on and shoot uh, threes with, uh, right. with the Golden State Warriors <laughs> and stuff like all right. that. So, all right, so this one's a different uh, uh, question. Most likely to impress me with their toughness. Who's the toughest player in the World Cup? I think today, Spain, Portugal, Ramos, the tough Spanish defender, uh-huh. against his teammate, Ronaldo. Ooh. And you know what? He's going to look at him and go, I'm going to kick the <laughs> living hell out of you. Right. That's and what you need to do will. with a pretty boy like Ronaldo. You need to go right at him, right? I love it, Danny. Absolutely. <laughs> Rough him up a little bit. Mess up that hair. Yeah, up. and unfortunately, that's what he did in the Champions League final against Mo Salah. Yeah. And that's the reason why Mo Salah, unfortunately, is not starting today. Right. Because that's how the injury occurred because he's won tough nut and still up to this day he goes i would do it again all right this is you you're a very good podcaster because you're a very smooth transition right there because we're gonna actually do you have to see it right now you have to see it speaking of mo salah you were talking about the injury so there's a fan that actually grabbed mo salah's injured shoulder while he was coming off the field we're gonna have a look at that i will show you the video and see what you think of our video is actually frozen so we're trying to get to it so let's see if we can drag it out here we go so mo salah Getting off, so he gets a little tap. So, the, yeah, he's coming over there. The fan takes the selfie and grabs that shoulder, and you can see Salah doesn't like it. No, he doesn't like so That guy's not a good fan. No, he's not. You can see he's, he's protecting it right now. Yes. And this is – Denny, you, you've been a quarterback. You, yeah. You've had shoulder injuries. Yeah. And 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 it's painful. Am I correct? Absolutely. And and I don't know what you call it. it, it, it Was he sh- pop, separated, it, it, separated yeah, shoulder? Yeah, separated. Exactly. And it's very tender, very ginger. You could tell him. That's obviously probably why he's not playing today. Read and react. Well, let's do some read and react. This is where we read a headline from CBSSports.com. Yep. And we get our reaction. So the U.S. Open, golf, it's the biggest uh, major in the U.S. Yep. Uh, is, is going on right now. I was up there on Tuesday. I awesome. was up at Shinnecock. Beautiful day. The You're wind golfer. wasn't quite as back. I am a golfer. So we're going to find out if you are. So Tiger Woods shot um, a 8 over Oof. 78 in oh. the first round. Started off with a triple bogey. Oh. It was ugly for him. And a lot of people said, oh, maybe he's getting back to where he was. It was a rough day for him. Are you what, a golfer? What, no. No, not at no. all. You growing in I, South Florida, you've been here 20 years, 30 you, years, never. To be real honest with you, a lot of people, including, you know, some high-level people, wanted to go out with some professional guys. And, and somehow I never... I'm wired high, I'm bipolar, I'm a little crazy, I'm manic, and it's like too slow for me, dude. Yeah. I'm telling <laughs> you. But I can appreciate, obviously, what a Tiger Woods have, has done for so many years, and everybody's rooting for him as well. What's the cut, you think? I think it's going to be six over. So, I, he, so he has a chance. So he has a he chance. Has to play today. He has to play pretty well. I think the But he hasn't looked play. good? No, he struggled. He had two double bogeys on the back nine. We're all rooting for him. only four players under par. Which is, That's yeah. something you never see in a USGA or a PGA event. Yeah. But I like seeing the players struggle a little bit. You know, they look human. They When they have triple bogeys, that's something the average... Baba Watson, a plus seven? Yeah, and Rory McIlroy wow. 80. And what about Spieth? Going here. Yeah, he struggled too. The course was playing insanely hard. Uh, that's already not, hard. You know what? The wind Everything is hard. Come on, Danny. Always, you go over right. always excuse That's right. The you wind. Know you know what? Uh, and, the the, the, the greens sure, aren't smooth right, enough. Right. And, you know, sure, come on. I'm sure you told your player this when your players this when you were coaching. Hey, everybody's playing in the same condition. There Not you like go. somebody has an advantage. There everybody's go. gotta do it. There so you that go. should be uh, fun to watch out. Father's Day, I'll be on the couch all day long. Dustin Johnson, baby. Yep. Jupiter's finest right there. Uh <laughs> and he's the world number one right now. He's playing insane. So I think he looks pretty good for this one coming up. All right, let's dive into some World Cup. All right. We're gonna do our take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Okay. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a statement and you say you either take it or leave yep. it. All right. Uh Messi is the best player in the world. Take it or leave it. Yes, he is. And he's also, unfortunately, LeBron James is the world. He's going to carry his team. He will carry him far. But like LeBron, he's going to just dunk all over. He's going to lose 0-4. And he's going to sulk again and looking for another franchise. So LeBron and Messi, you're in the same boat. So who's is is Ronaldo close? Is Neymar close? Who's the number two? Ronaldo is close second right now. They both won five Ballon d'Or. So the last ten years, these two guys have, have just... 
dominated the sport without a doubt. Ronaldo's better looking. Messi is <laughs> that's a, true. A bit of an introvert, but Messi is somewhat different. He glides. He, he he's he's beautiful to watch. Ronaldo is a goal scoring machine. Again, seventeen goals in a Champions League. They won three straights with Real Madrid. Never done before. Zidane, the coach, walks away at the height of his career. You remember Michael Jordan? You should have done that and not come back. That's pretty pretty darn good. But these two guys. Are the guys to watch. Physically. Neymar will be the guy going forward at 25 for Brazil. I might have the best chance because he's surrounded by the best team. Ronaldo and Messi have to carry their team all the way. And that's not easy against the elite in the world. But Messi has won for 13 years. It's a highlight reel. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. I, I, it's poetry emotion. Yeah. I, I can't even explain it. That's what I like. When I watch the World Cup, I'll tune in to watch those guys. Like, I want to see greatness, yeah. and I want to see somebody that looks different than everybody else because they're that special, that they're that good, and I think those guys are in that category. He's five, eight. Yeah. Low center of gravity. Extremely explosive, but so fluent on the ball. As I said again, it's, it's mesmerizing. Ronaldo's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, he takes great pride in working out, and if you look at him as well, he's powerful, and he's become a better finisher right now. He's the best finisher in the world. Messi's the best dribbler, assist man, and oh, ooh, oh. <laughs> Ronaldo goes, give it to me. I'm going to stick it in the top corner, and once in a while, I'm going to have a bicycle kick that is going to be incredible. You've right. seen some oh, of yeah. them, which is athletically Nuts. insane. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. All right, next up, take it or leave it. Group F is actually the best group in the World Cup. That's Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. Yeah. You're taking that. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that. I, I really am taking that. But that's not an easy group. There's a favorite, obviously, in that group there, but Sweden, although without Ibra, you know, Slatan, <laughs> who's right. now playing for the LA that's Galaxy, right. the Swedes knocked off Italy. Italy's not in the World Cup because Sweden went, you know what? 0-0 at home. We beat them one nothing. That's Sweden, you know? Right. Dogmatic, tough, all 6-2, like me, bl- blue eyes, and they just go after it over 90 minutes and grind you down, and then you got, Cruz, right there. The Germans are, to me, still the team to beat. Ooh. Trashed Brazil in Brazil in 2014. 7-1, yeah. by the way. They're a machine. All right, so that leads us to the next take it or leave it. So Germany is better in 2018 now than they were when they won it in 2014. Oh, take it or leave it. Uh, take it. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely is better. And as shown in the Confederations Cup, Danny, why? There's a younger group right now that has come through Timo Werner, Goretzka as well, that make this team even more balanced and deeper. They're too deep in every position, which means they got 22 capable players of stepping in each and every time. And in a tournament, which is short, with not a lot of rests, you probably need to go 14, 15 deep in your rotation. And, and they will not lose a beat. Tony Cruz, they got right there. They're missing two key guys though. Sebastian Schweinsteiger, that plays in MLS for Chicago. That's my guy. And, and Laum were the two emotional leaders of the team. And, and I'm not so sure if the things go tough. The Germans are always very resilient. If they have enough experience or voices in that locker room that can rattle some cage and say, you know what? Deutschland über alles. Let's go. And that might be in the big games something that they might miss, but I stay with whatever you ask me. Yeah, Germany is better in 28. They're better this year than 2014. Yes, they are. All right, next up, take it or leave it. Brazil deserves to be the favorites and will win their sixth World Cup. Take it or leave it. Tite took over two years ago after Dunga uh, guided his team in Brazil when they underperformed, didn't win the World Cup there. One note, Danny. The South American team has never won a World Cup in Europe. So Brazil right now, out of all the teams uh, from South America, that includes Uruguay, that includes obviously uh, you know some other very good uh, good teams like Argentina with Messi, Neymar, William, Coutinho, and to me the breakout player of this tournament is Gabriel Jesus, that plays for Manchester City with Pep Guardiola. And they got a combination of steel and skill and the revenge factor. Mm. And and I think this is the team to watch, and this is the team that could challenge Germany. I have a Brazil-Germany final, by the way. Nice. All right. All right. Perfect. So, all right. So I have a bonus, take it or leave it. Okay. This is from a, a, a casual American soccer fan. A 6-5 to five game is better than a 1-0 to nil game. 
They're both great. Because so you, I, you, you I, don't I have, mind low scoring. Because no, that's the biggest complaint no. I think Americans have is Correct. not enough scoring. But you can appreciate a one. I can appreciate, and Denny, you can appreciate, because you've played at a higher level, obviously, baseball and, and football, that if two defenses are just so superior right now and you can score that winning touchdown with one minute left, it's as satisfying, in my opinion, maybe not necessarily for the fans, but the sophisticated fans, they understand, understand tactics. They can say, you know what, that was a master class of the defensive coach today to hold a very good team to three points, seven points, whatever it might be, a low-scoring game. Would we like to see 6-5? Absolutely. Am I a romantic? Without a doubt. Am I Dutch? You know, <laughs> right. clockwork orange, total football, and we want to win 6-5. That's the reason in three World Cup finals we've not, not won one. Right. Because we don't know how to win one nothing because that's not in our, right. in our mentality. But I, I can have a great appreciation for that. I loved Russia. Five goals yesterday. It's great. Three or four unbelievable goals. But I can appreciate a tough battle, which we'll see between Portugal and Spain. That's not going to be a high-scoring game where tactics become so important. And where players throughout the game can make some decisions that could make a difference in the game. So, you know what? I'll take the 6-5, though. But I can also applaud a one nothing win. Picks and props. Nice. All right, let's do some picks and props. All right, so we're going to put you on the spot here. So I hope you're right on the low-scoring game because Spain-Portugal actually took the under two and a half goals. So I need a... A one nil, <laughs> you know, some one one tie, something like that. I need under two and a half goals. Uh, like Euro- it or li- Euros zero zero, Spain one five four. Last World Cup or twenty ten one nothing Spain. So you might right. be All right. right. You All might right. be right. right. What about ching, the, ching. what about the game itself? Who wins? Spain versus Portugal. I I, I will go with uh, with Spain. Spain is my my third team in the line. They are deeper, better. Not one great player, although Iniesta is a beautiful one to watch. I watch for Barcelona as well. Him and Messi together. It's the last World Cup from Iniesta. He's retired from Barcelona. Isco from Real Madrid as well. They're deeper. They're bigger names. Ramos in the back is just one tough uh, mofo. And then you got Piquet as well from Barcelona. They're stacked. They play possession football. And they don't always play possession with a purpose, Danny. You know, so, so if there's a good defense, they really don't know how to break it down. And Portugal in the Euros has shown they keep the zero and only need Ronaldo to score one. They won two games in penalties to advance to the finals and win the finals on penalties as well in, in the Euros. So it's going to be low scoring, but but I pick Spain one nothing, and you're going to make some money. All right, I like it, Debo. What else you got for us in our picks and props? We have the Golden Boot winner, which is the top scorer of the tournament. We got some options; those big names up at the top. TR, who are you rolling with for the Golden Boot winner? Um, Mo Salah was in there, but Denny and I are the first ones to tell you, by the way. We right. just found out that Mo Salah will start on the bench, will not start for Egypt, which is not good because obviously that second spot is going to be between Egypt and Russia. Russia's plus five right now. They need Mo Salah, the, the best player in the last year in, in the world, by the way. What he's done for Liverpool to get into the Champions League final, 30-plus goals in all competition is insane. The EPL player of the year. But I'm saying no. I'm saying Neymar might have a chance because he's surrounded by the best team. Messi can break out as as well. But the one I'm picking... Is not on there. <laughs> Ooh, you got a long shot. Who was yours? Gabriel Jesus, Ooh, the 21 year old from Brazil, is going to be absolutely insane. Right. Now, if England makes a run, Danny, mm-hmm. then Harry Kane, Harry Kane, mate, <laughs> will be up there as well. Insane season for Tottenham. Uh, but I, I pick uh, Gabriel Jesus outside of those four or five bigger names that are there. He's a sleeper. But as I said again, Brazil in a fairly easy group and a fairly easy bracket. We'll have an opportunity to walk into two or three minnows where scores could be like Russia five or six. That's why I'm picking the other games are going to be tied for the big boys, right. so to speak. Like for instance, Spain, Portugal today. Right. Brazil is an easy one, could be four, five, nothing. I like to think that their number nine, which he is, mm-hmm. will score at least one or two in each game, which might get him up there. So people. Nice. I like it. Put some money on it. <laughs> hey, Zeus, 16 to one odds. So some good value there if you, there you go. are. So some fun now with some props. Danny, you've talked about before if you were to compete in other sports. We talked about this during the Olympics, if you were a curler, if you were a polo player, whatever it may be. So if you were going up against the worst World Cup goalie, TR, you can fill us in on who that is. You had 10 penalty kicks. 
Over under is set at one half of a goal that she would score oh. on those ten penalty kicks. Denny, I'll take over all day long. I can get, I can get a couple. I yeah. get two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because it's it's hard for Correct. a goalie. Like the goalie Correct. is on an island. The goal is really big. Absolutely. That's why they have. And, to and guess. take the guy from South Arabia. He, he's reeling right now. He's giving up five already. All right. So you can, I, I bet you you get four. All right. All right. Out of perfect. ten. All right. Chance. Now what? I, I I have seen him by the way as 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 a as the small dog or the little dog or whatever you <laughs> yeah, call him. Back when I was a kid, he can play. This guy is is all around athlete. Oh, what about what? How much different would it be against the best goalie? Would I get any? Because uh, it's really tough. Like you can get lucky. I could go one. I could get one in there. Just to give you an idea, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant thought he was a soccer player because he lived in Italy a little bit. I've done some charity stuff with him. He's, right. ju- he's absolutely useless. When I, <laughs> in I soccer, yeah, you yeah. Can't do anything. The first test I always do, you know, because you, I, I can do this. Yeah. I go, you know, you guys are not used to hand foot coordination. Right. So I throw a ball towards his waist. Right. And soccer players will bring it, bring it down with their. Thigh, yeah, with their and chest, control it, yeah, and he caught it. Okay, so Kobe, that's a handball, dude. I go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just my normal reaction, yeah. exactly. So we did some penalties. If you know how to strike a ball a little bit, because goalkeepers nowadays gamble, yeah, all right. So you can probably even against the best goalkeepers in the world, because it's not necessarily the goalkeepers are that good. Right. Most of the time, they save one because it was a poor kick by the attacker. The pressure, right? One on one, sixty thousand people. You know, it's not not easy, right? And it's somewhat similar to the hockey kind of. Sure. You know, I don't know what the percentage there is of scores versus saves, right? Um, but I think that even against a good goalkeeper, Denny, you can get at least two, maybe three. I'm gonna have to have a talk with Debo after who said no way. Or as well, Debo, where are you aiming? Like Debo. Now, if you talk about a, if you talk about a free kick with a wall, you're getting right. protected. Then I got I'm not, no, you I'm won't not get looking, any. I'm not b- bending it but, like hey, Beckham. I'm just 12, 12 yards out, shoelaces, yeah. go somewhere, look oh. one way, go the other way, at least three, five against a Saudi guy. CR is my favorite guest so far. I like it. <laughs> right, I think a theme is that I just constantly underestimate Danny's yeah. ability. Please don't. Um, the next prop here. So the memes we get out of Vladimir Putin in the World Cup Minus one and a half versus middle fingers we saw from Robbie Williams yesterday. So you saw Putin with kind of the MJ shrug. And uh, Russia scored their first goal yesterday against Saudi Arabia. And then a little bit before that, during the opening ceremonies, Robbie Williams just deciding to flip the bird <laughs> Why not? Um, to the crowd. So what do we see more of? Are we going to get more meme-worthy moments from Vladimir Putin? You, 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 <laughs> Robbie Williams. I love Robbie Williams, by the way. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that was a great look. Putin going like this. It's one nothing. Right. The Saudi prince goes, how many more barrels do you need in order to make this 1-1? One, one? I'll go... I'm not so sure, you know. Let me talk to uh, Trump, and then I'll get back to you. The thing I think Putin's going to get a lot during the World Cup, but that Robbie Williams one, you can that'll last forever. So it I will. think I might go with the Robbie Williams meme. Like a lot of people can have some fun with that for a long time. I, I will too. But if 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 Russia continues to go on, I yeah. think there will be a moment of Putin somewhere in the semifinals if they get that far that we go. This is this is way over the top of Robbie Williams. We pick Robbie Williams in the first round, second round. Hmm. Remains to be seen what Putin pulls out. He's a small dude, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Tiny. All right. This was a ton of fun. I appreciate you getting up early to come join us. And uh, we're going to have to get out. Maybe we'll do a little... We'll do a little free kick action. We'll get Debo out there, put him in goal. I'll score, I'll, I'll score I'll, 10 on him. Exactly. Easy. Easy. All, right. All right. Thanks, TR, for joining us. That was great stuff here on our World Cup special. Hey, if you love the World Cup, you're going to want to see the best breakdowns in the world. You can see those right here with my man, TR, on CBS Sports HQ. If you want to watch uh, CBS Sports HQ, you know where you have to do it? On Roku. Because if you're a true World Cup fan, then you've got to get a Roku streaming player. It's a device you plug into your TV to unlock thousands of live streaming and on-demand channels, including us right here, our very own, uh, and it's free, CBS Sports app. It's awesome if you have subscriptions to any of the professional sports league apps. They're all available on the Roku platform, so you can stream them right to your TV. Even if you don't have premium subscriptions, Roku is an awesome way to catch up your favorite local teams live with apps through many cable providers. Plus, of course, Roku has access to all the movies and TV shows you could want with more than 500,000 available across free and paid channels. So check them out. Roku streaming players start at just $29.99 for the basic player, or you can spring for the higher-end players, which stream in 4K with HDR. With Father's Day right around the corner, Roku players make an awesome gift, too. 
Visit Roku.com. That's R-O-K-U.com to learn more and start streaming today. Like it, love it, hate it. So now I get to feel some of the nerves that Raja had when he was hosting solo on Wednesday because I am flying solo right here, blind. Just me by myself doing like it, love it, or hate it. First up, the NCAA approves a rule that restricts coaches' ability to block transfers. I freaking love this rule and the next one as well. Uh, so many times we talk about the student athlete, uh, athlete debate. Should they get paid? Uh, you know, how little power they have. This is one where I actually think the NCAA got it right. If coaches are allowed to, uh, jump ship anytime they want to, they can hop from school to school as we see all the times. Sometimes they don't even stay at schools longer than six months and they bounce on to a bigger and better job. If coaches are allowed to do it that freely, why not the players? Uh, so they'll be able to move around without getting blocked. I can't stand that when you see a list of schools uh, that coaches say, hey, you can transfer, but you can't go to these 12 schools or you can't stay within our conference, when a lot of times the schools that are on that list are some of the best schools that are out there available for the players. So I love it. Give the players a little bit more power. All right, next up, like it, love it, or hate it. The NCAA redshirt rule has also been addressed. That the NCAA passed legislation allowing players to participate in up to four games in a season without burning their red shirt. The significance of the rule is a player can appear in those limited number of games at any point in the season. Again, I love this one. Any rule that gives players, that makes the experience better for players, gives them a better opportunity to either move around if they don't like their coach or their setup at their current school, or is better for their career. And so many times you see players... There's a couple different angles in this one. As a freshman, you see players get hurt after a couple games. Then they get shelved and they lose a season. Uh, you might see a, a, a player at the end of a season on teams that kind of aren't as deep as others. They'll have to burn their red shirt due to injuries. They might have to play the last three or four games of the regular season because, hey, the starting couple guys got hurt. They have to come in, and then they burn their red shirt because coaches are going to do the selfish thing. They have, they're not going to save those guys' red shirt because they need – to win. They need players to get on the field. And I think a lot of guys get burned with that rule. So this one will allow players to play up to four games and still keep their eligibility uh, red shirt for that year. I think what could be interesting, and I was thinking about this kind of from a different angle, is I wonder how the top tier schools, the Alabamas, Clemsons, Ohio States, Michigan, who have freshmen come in who are ready to play as true freshmen. And yet sometimes they're in a backup. They can't play. I'm interested to see if a coach will bring in a true freshman just against the better teams. And not the blowout teams, but against the better competition. Maybe you make a package for a true freshman. Uh, if you're Alabama and you save him for the Auburn game, the LSU game, and the SEC championship game and the playoffs, and because he's a phenomenal athlete, and then you can redshirt him and you get him for extra time. The only issue I would see with that is some of those players – might want to turn pro, but you might be able to steal a year of eligibility and get some production out of a player and still redshirt him there. So I, I love the rule, though, because I think it's better for players, and I'm all about that. All right, last, uh, like it, love it, or hate it, another rule, the DH rule is being addressed by Rob Manfred. Uh, he actually had a quote on the universal DH where you would have uh, DH not only just uh, in the American League but also in the National League. He said, I think – uh, that it is a continuing source of conversation among the ownership group, and I think that the dialogue actually probably moved a little bit. Uh, that's a very vague quote if I've ever seen one before, but this is one of the rules that I look at, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't you have the same league for the uh, same rule for the American and National League? I get there's a nuance to it, but in any other sport, where do you have a rule that's that significant that it can impact play that much? Uh, either in the AFC or NFC or the uh, East and Western Conference and the NBA. You just don't. It's a really weird dynamic to baseball that I think makes a lot more sense for them just to initiate the DH rule across Major League Baseball. I think it'll be better. I think you've seen some real, like Tanaka getting hurt, running the bases, pulling both to hamstrings. Uh, like that's the type of issues you run into when you have guys who never hit. All of a sudden they have to get out there and do things they're not used to. I think it's safer for the players. I think it'll put a better product out there for Major League Baseball, who's trying to do their best uh, to keep up with the other uh, big sports in the U.S. Socially relevant. All right, let's do a little socially relevant. So Debo has found a video. I had not seen this trending on Twitter. 
of a 6'10", 12-year-old. And I wish you could have heard my disbelief when I saw this video for the first time. I told Debo, there's no way. We have to check this kid's birth certificate. He's playing on an 8-foot rim, so he even looks more like a monster playing with these kids. And then the basketball that he's playing with, I believe, is a little bit smaller, but it looks like a volleyball in his hands. And I want to check this kid's birth certificate because... It's 6'10 at 12 years old. I, you, this is not normal. Like, this is insane. And if he's 12 now, what is he going to be? 7'10? Because he's still going to grow a little bit more. Debo, what were you, what was the question you wanted to ask me about this kid? I mean, I don't care the fact that he's a 12 year old and he's 6'10 and he's playing with other 12 year olds. That's fair. The yeah, eight foot really. rim, is that normal? Like, your kids play youth sports. Do they adjust? Like, eight you, foot rim playing, just doesn't seem real. Basketball is the one up? sport. What's I that? played so when I was when I was probably about ten, twelve seems to me to be and I'll be Raja is the one we need to talk to this because his boys play a bunch of you know, they play youth basketball. I thought around eight to nine to ten years old we played on an eight year uh eight foot rim, but then you've got to start getting like you're twelve, you gotta be playing on a big rim. That's the thing with me is twelve I mean, does seem out of out my of. illustrious basketball career, I probably started playing at seven, but we were always on ten foot rims and I was really? foot six. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes sense. I even think my daughter's uh, teams, when they played on, played on ten foot rims. Because he would uh, not be dominating if he was six ten, and you're playing on a ten foot rim. You could just oh, see him reaching. Still, I mean, I he, think would he would be still good. dominating against those little kids. Those kids can't even come up to his waist. He's still going to dominate just sheer that. But he can dunk so easily. I wonder if he can dunk on a ten foot rim. He should be able to because he, he didn't have much lift in that video we watched. No, he really didn't. Five-star Q&A. Uh, all right, so let's move it off. Let's finish it off. Five-star Q&A. It is Friday. You guys know the drill. You download, subscribe on iTunes, and then in the comment section under the five-star review, ask us a question. We have to answer whatever they come our way. You've got to do it. And uh, we've got one from our boy Rob from ATL. Huh, Debo? What do we got? Danny, Rob is back at it. The Falcons are plus 2,000. That's $50 to win a grand for all you nerds out there that don't gamble. Shout out the nerds. Super Bowl 53 is in Atlanta. We have a great young defense that flies around and just added Kevin Ridley to make the best wide receiver tandem in the league. Since we're boys now, will you throw in on that with me? P.S. If you have any Canal Falcons gear just <laughs> lying around, send it my way. I'm sure you have so much of that. Wait, they, they can't be. The Falcons can't believe plus 2,000. That's impossible. One. That's 20 to 1. Oh, okay, so that's not super long. We had the I conversation would, this morning yeah, that was confusing. That's, about the, the decimals God. and the fraction I, uh, of gambling. I like that bet. I I there I was just looking at win totals. Uh their win totals are nine for the season, so they're probably gonna get in the playoffs. Thing is they play in the toughest division in all of football, having to go against the Panthers, Saints, and Bucks. Uh the no team has ever won that's hosted the Super Bowl. They have that going against them. But I've been on record on CBS Sports HQ thinking Matt Ryan could have another MVP season. They added Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. That was before the Julio Jones, uh, Jones mess, so I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. But I would take that. 21, why not throw something on there? I'm always looking for a reliable sports book that AG even has the Falcons at 22 to 1. So Ooh. maybe we'll, All right. uh, we'll be in contact. The uh, Canel Falcons gear, I do have some of that. You could. It wasn't around very Jersey, often. Jersey, yeah. cards. What do you got? More cards? I got more cards, but I do actually have some Falcons jersey. I have a 13 Canel jersey. I also have a 7 Canel jersey because I was number 7 there for about a month until I had to buy my jersey from Tony Graziani. And then who took number 7 after you? Yeah, one Mike Vick. Boom. All right, our next question from Hockey DFS Guy. When you guys watch games, now this one posed to you, Danny, do you take notes with your phone or pen, paper, old school, or do you just watch the games and make mental notes? So for the bigger events, well, when I was doing uh, studio work, when I was in studio, or when I'm here at CBS Sports and we were doing SEC halftime, I would absolutely take notes and jot down certain plays, mark down the timestamp and say, all right, I want to talk about that play. I want to try to break that one down. Here's what happened. Try to explain to people. But even during the NBA Finals, like when Rajan and I would break it down, I would have a notepad next to me. Again, similar things, just so you remember. But kind of another way that I kind of mentally or actually do take notes is Twitter. Like if I tweet a comment about a play, it's kind of a helpful way to go back and review those and say, all right, that was something I want to talk about in this game. But most of the time, uh, the games I'm taking notes on are the bigger games, the bigger college football, the primetime games, the playoffs, the NBA Finals. Uh, baseball, Debo, are you a scorekeeper? Like, would you ever keep score? Like, with the scorekeeper no, not book? Not since for I baseball? was like eight. No, not, not since you were eight. I would actually keep score while I was calling baseball games, which was 
interesting. No, that's helpful. I, that makes sense. No, it's helpful, but it's it's hard. Like to to actually broadcast the game and score the game, which all, a lot of guys do that do baseball at higher levels. Uh, for me, it was challenging because I was always playing. I didn't. I still was figuring out a lot of the terminology and how to score it. Uh, actually, in the last couple games I did, but uh, yeah. So that's how I watch games. So. For me, my phone is just littered with screenshots, whether it's a tweet I see yeah. that I know that you and Raja will have some sort of reaction to. I got to go through, I think, this weekend to delete. But there's 3,000 screenshots on my phone because <laughs> that just allows me to remember what I want to talk about uh, with you guys on the show. Uh, next question from Jared Wirtz. Will we ever see a Canel and Bell slash part of my take collaboration podcast or Canel and Bell slash Rusillo show collab? Will you ever have any of them on the show as guests? Yes, right? Yes and yes. So yeah, we, we had Rosillo on when he called me out for some of the college football takes. We had him on as a guest. I could see that happening again, absolutely, although the time difference now that he's on the West Coast could be a little challenging. And my guy, Big Cat, we actually uh texted a couple times. We were going to try to do this late in the college football season, and we just kind of dropped the ball, and we started getting rolling, and then football season ended, and it was like, how are we going to get it? But – same issue possibly with Big Cat getting on here up early. We we taped the podcast at 7 a.m. Could be a challenge. I think people might be surprised uh, at Big Cat and PFT's time. I bet they, they work harder, I think, than most people give them credit for. So we'll have to hit up Big Cat again and see if we can get him on the pod because I think that would be uh, outstanding as well. And they're the opposite of us recording about midnight <laughs> every yeah. night where we're in at <laughs> 7 in the morning. Uh, the last question, one of my favorites of all time and one of the best handles we've received <laughs> tebow over canal 6968 asks how delusional are you about your golf game to think that you could shoot in the 80s at shinnecock you a bum go gators all right so we had a uh, we had an instance in the uh, nba where brian colangelo was fired because his wife had burner accounts i think debo could get fired for setting up burner accounts to set up some of these questions although i was taking a lot of heat uh, yesterday on Twitter, but this is a pretty good question. That is slander. <laughs> that is slander, exactly. So the number that I said I thought I could shoot at Shinnecock was 88. My uh, A couple of people at me said, no way you'll shoot uh, 99 is more acceptable. We settled on a middle number at 93 and a half. Now, it is delusional to think I could go out there and consistently play well at Shinnecock. I am not saying that. It's delusional for me to think... Oh, I could beat some of these guys in the USGA and the PGA Tour who were playing and struggling. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if I went out to Shinnecock, played from the tips, and it was a normal day, not as windy as it was yesterday, but played from the same tees that they do, had the greens the same, I could break 93 and a half. And I don't think that's crazy talk, although a lot of people were giving me a hard time about it. In fact, I'm still collecting bets. And uh, when it's time to pay out, I'll Venmo. You can just Venmo me all the money. I'll take check, too, or Bitcoin if you want. I think it'll be easy money shooting 93 or better on Shinnecock. Uh, because easy I'll be money. playing it differently because those guys are playing against an entire field. So they're taking risks. Like Tiger Woods in the first hole yesterday, Debo, he gets, he, he airmails the first green. Perfect drive, airmails it, airmails it over the green, then tries to hit this flop shot where he perfectly tries to land it just on so he can get up and down for par. If I'm back there, I'm just plopping it up in the middle of the green, two putt and get out of there. I'll take my bogey and move on. Cause if I shoot bogey golf, I'm good. I'm going to get six or seven pars just like just by default out there playing. I'm a decent golfer. I'm a five handicap. Used to be a scratch golfer before I had kids. So you're also underestimating the fact that I would practice, get dialed in a little bit more before taking this one. So uh, we'll have to see. If you don't think I can, bring it. Talk some smack on Twitter. Even uh, Tebow over Canel 6968. Uh, you can bring it too if you want. Um that was my wife that wrote that question. <laughs> okay, so you can blame her for that one. All right, fantastic. I love it. All right, big uh, thanks to Thomas Rongen for joining us for our World Cup blowout special. I'm on the uh, Spain-Portugal under in that game. Uh, it's going to be interesting for me to figure out the gambling setup for the World Cup, but it'll give me a reason to watch. I'll be dialed in for there. Uh, Raja will be back on Monday. We can't wait for that. We'll both have stories about... Uh, Long Island, as I was there early in the week, actually met Tiger Woods. I'll save that story for Monday when Roger gets back. And uh, we'll be back doing that. A uh, big week next week for us on uh, Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Roger Bell. Thanks for checking us out. Have a good weekend.